Good day, everybody. This is Anthony Pudlow, Vice President of Professional Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. Thanks for joining in today's Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast um, for the January 2018 Board of Pharmacy Open Session. I'm joined here today by Andrew Funk, Executive Director with the Iowa Board of Pharmacy. We're um, pretty efficient meeting here this morning, um, but I really wanted to um, highlight a couple things with you today, Andrew, for all our listeners out there. I think it was uh, quite a bit of discussion on uh, really a lot of potential um, or proposed pieces of legislation, but then actually the, the board took a lot of action on some uh, notices of uh, rules that were noticed to be adopted. As well. So I'd kind of like to highlight a little bit of everything for our listeners today. Um, first and foremost, I guess um, there was a, a couple agenda items that um, really, I think, really from your perspective as the executive director, you were asking the Board of Pharmacy to, to weigh in and, and vote to register either for, against, or undecided on various um, p- specific pieces of legislation that are, being, that are being considered this year. Can you just um, give some background? Why, why is that necessary? Is that something that the Board is done in the past or how is how have you um, traditionally worked to kind of garner support from the board when the when you vote to um, or when you register on a piece of legislation that's uh, that's a great question this is something new that we that we did this year the previous uh, couple legislative sessions um, when I was at the Capitol uh, detailing the the various legislators regarding legislation that impacts the practice of pharmacy in Iowa um, I, I, I didn't have clear and, and decisive um, direction from the board. And so this is the, I, I, I took this board meeting as an opportunity to kind of get some of these hot topic items that uh, I know will be uh, floated uh, in various possible bills this year so that I can provide um, legislators with, uh, with as accurate feedback as possible regarding um, regarding. these types of languages. Oh, fantastic. Good to hear. And it it completely makes sense in my mind as well that you really want to have the the, the vote of confidence from the board on on these specific bills. So at least two that I know that were voted on, and we don't have to get into too many specifics on this, but um, I know one of them was the the piece of legislation that is being proposed by the board, or excuse me, by the Iowa Pharmacy Association, IPA. Um, And there was a lot of different components in there. um, And I don't want to get into too too many details because I know quite a few of our listeners will probably be uh, attending IPA's legislative day next week, but there's components there on statewide protocols, vaccine administration, technician product verification, and even the role of pharmacy technicians in um, conducting transfers. Can you just um, let us know what, what did you kind of observe and how the board voted um, um, on, on what to do with that piece of legislation, Andrew? Yeah, so um, some really good discussion regarding that, and there were some um, uh, discussion points on the technician product verification and uh, the the piece of uh, legislation that um, uh, gives the authority pharmacies to or pharmacists and interns to transfer prescriptions, um, sort of uh, expanding that. Uh, and and the board was supportive of the notion of expanding um, uh, expanding transfers to uh, permit certified technicians to uh, to be to participate in that practice. So um, there was some, uh, the, the board ultimately voted uh, to register in support of IPA's bill in its entirety. So based on the language that was presented and, uh, and how that's drafted from LSA, uh, the board will, uh, will be registering in support. 
Perfect. Well, that's great to hear because it is a, a pretty a pretty all-encompassing bill. I know a lot of the discussion that the association has already had is really looking at and tailoring it as we really try to elevate the role of the pharmacist. We also need to elevate the role of the technician. And, and I think this bill covers a lot of those components. So it's great to see the board, um, the board members in support of it. The other piece was um, regarding the Office of Drug Control Policies bill that uh, kind of focuses on the PMP to, re- to some regard. And I know there's a lot of other discussion on the PMP that we'll get to in a second, but could you just maybe just speak on what you heard from the board, um, the board's discussion on that, on that, that proposed legislation? Yeah, the uh, the Office of Drug Control Policy is uh, <clears throat> attempting to introduce some legislation that would require the board to uh, issue an annual uh, prescriber report card that uh, would detail prescribers on various aspects of activity um, that uh, that's been uh, that's been. Um, conducted under their DEA number over the previous year, and each year the board would uh, would would then uh, be required to provide that information to the pre- to the prescribers, um, and there 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 are some some costs associated with that, and it's uh, it was a concern of the board uh, both from a financial standpoint as well as from a staffing standpoint that that while the concept of of, of providing that information to prescribers would be beneficial. Um, it may or may not be necessarily cost-effective on uh, it getting to the ultimate end goal of, of what it's trying to accomplish. So I think there's some there's some uh, there's some area of uh, flexibility perhaps with where the board may um, may decide that it could it could support such a measure um, perhaps in the in the realm of you know at least permitting that information to be. Uh, to be disclosed, and if a provider requested it, um, then then the board could provide it. But still, we'd we'd still be going back to the mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it's going to cost it's going to have a, a cost associated with it. So yeah, ultimately, um, if I recall, the the board voted to really remain undecided on that bill at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, kind of getting to the PMP and and. Again, we can spend hours talking about the PMP, and I know I think you're probably going to spend quite a few hours talking about the PMP down at the the state house this year, uh, because there has been so much discussion already amongst the legislature around improvements um, to the PMP. Um, I know the board had quite a bit of discussion on some of those proposed bills that are coming forward, whether it's mandatory registration, mandatory use, mandatory continuing education on opioids, um, all these kind of discussions. And it seemed like the board really had some great feedback for you to take forward. But um, one thing that I, I would say, I, 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 I might just, uh, my general observation, you can confirm this, was that the board really just wanted to make sure that um, we don't kind of jump to any conclusions or jump to any quick actions on some of these proposed legislation because the board is working pretty heavily right now on upgrades to the PMP. So can you maybe just speak to some of the the things that I think the board as well as the staff I think are excited to see coming forward with your upgrades to the PMP right now? Sure. Yeah, we're we're in the process of uh, of procuring an updated software um, provided by Apris, which is uh, Aware. It's the Aware platform, and uh, this will be a a, a, a more user friendly, easier to to uh, access, to reset passwords to provide um, delegate use uh, under PMP uh, provider registrations just a, a whole lot of, um, uh, of of just more streamlined um, accessibility and it, with with uh, with regards to the to the new platform um, the the uh, the vendor also bid a separate 
uh, item um, in its response to the state, and that was a product called NarxCare. Uh, the NarxCare product is an advanced analytical tool that uh, provides uh, pharmacists and, and, uh, and prescribers with sort of a 50,000 foot view of a patient instantaneously as opposed to having to um, sort through all of the uh, uh, the information in the dispensing history. So there's um, and there's there's uh, desire on the on, on behalf of the board as well as staff to provide that uh, technology to all of its um, P PMP registered users. Perfect. And maybe the only other thing that I think is important to to hear. I know the board also discussed just the process of reporting into the PMP, um, knowing that there are some study bills that are being proposed around either weekly reporting, um, additions to the language in the Iowa code, or real-time reporting. Um, just where is the board currently at right now with changes to the reporting process um, into the PMP, Andrew? Sure, yeah, so um, right now the, the, the code is silent on the reporting frequency requirement um, regarding information submitted to the PMP for dispensing data. It's in board rule currently that, that the uh, reporting be no less often than weekly. Um, it, was, it was the board's desire at, uh, in previous meetings to uh, change that reporting frequency in rule uh, from daily, or excuse me, from weekly to next business day. And right now that rule is in the rulemaking process. It is uh, still open for comment and uh, the board will be considering adoption of that rule at its March meeting, which would place it an effective date sometime in May of this year. Sure. So I know um, for those of you listening, there's still a great opportunity to submit your own personal comments um, to that proposed rule to move to next business day. I believe the deadline is actually this Friday. So I guess if you're listening to this today, you have two days to um, uh, uh, submit your, your opinions on that. I think what I've heard in previous meetings on that is a lot of pharmacies are already in a process close to daily reporting. So it, it appears for what we've been hearing and I think what the board has discussed that it might not be as heavy of a lift um, to move to that daily reporting um, process or excuse me, next business day reporting versus maybe more real-time reporting, which I think is probably a heavier lift from what, what the discussion even was today. Um, well, thanks for all that discussion because I think the PMP and I think I encourage everybody that's listening to this to to remain um, uh, aware of what is the discussions with your legislature or with your legislators around the PMP because I think they're going to be um, hearing a lot of pr different proposed pieces of legislation and if not, it'll be the efforts of Andrew and his team as well as um, the Iowa Pharmacy Association to try to help educate legislators on where the PMP is at now and where there's uh, improvements coming as well. So um, just a couple of final points. I know the board voted to take action on a couple notices for adoption and filing, meaning that uh, that the open, com open comment period has already occurred and feedback has been collected from those comments and the board um, rules committee chose either to make some minor changes or not on some of these pieces of uh, rule changes. But uh, Andrew, can maybe we spend a little bit of time talking about two of them, um, and one of them being uh, maybe uh, making an amendment to Rule 820 that focuses on the valid prescription, or excuse me, valid prescriber and patient relationship. Um, what what is that rule really intending to do? And I know, uh, and just maybe clarify what actually the the, the board did today um, with their vote. Sure. 
This, um, this particular rule uh, is, is in place to provide the pharmacist with, with guidance and the requirements of what, uh, what a, a practitioner-patient uh, relationship is and at what point is that relationship considered severed. And uh, we've had, some, we've had uh, uh, plenty of comments and, and feedback from uh, licensed pharmacists that, that uh, questions more so that um, deal with what happens when a prescriber retires or what happens to the refills when a uh, prescriber moves. Um, is that prescriber-patient relationship still there? Can the, the pharmacist legally fill the prescriptions um, that that uh, that have the refills that remain even after that provider uh, retires? So the current rule as it stands now, um, there wasn't a lot of clarity with with that, and so the board attempted to address that and really provide the pharmacist with more professional judgment uh, on when that prescriber relationship actually ends. So. You know, it, this particular rule would would ask the pharmacist to take into consideration the the patient's healthcare status, uh, uh, the type of healthcare service that the patient is seeking, the type of medication that's being dispensed, how often the prescription should be should be monitored or the, the therapy be monitored. So this really it, it enables the pharmacist to to um, uh, use more professional judgment on when that relationship should be severed. That sounds great. I know that that has a, been a concern even of some pharmacists we've heard from as well. Um, so that really does, you're right, put it into the hands of the pharmacist and, and really help understand is that patient really struggling to find a new provider if it's for, say, mental health care services or if it's just trying to get back on the schedule of the new provider when maybe a whole host of patients gets reassigned to a new provider. So that's great to hear that the board is recognizing that maybe sometimes there are barriers and if there is some refills on there, using your professional judgment on how to move forward on that. That's great. Well, finally, the only other rule that I wanted to call out, while there was several other rules rules that were voted um, to move forward on. Um, there was a rule that focused on um, a whole lot of different areas, but basically um, removing or rescinding the chapter chapter nine on automated medication distribution systems and telepharmacy services, and well as well as rescinding but replacing chapter 21 that focuses on electronic data in pharmacy practice. And I know as the board has really taken their uh, a really proactive approach to really revising a lot of their rules, there was discussion, I know we've talked previously around how telepharmacy rules were kind of adopted and put into a new chapter and and this this really this vote really focused on I would say it seemed like a lot of some of the burden right now that hospitals and others deal with and working with automated medication dispensing systems or AMDSs so Andrew just uh, maybe your opinion on this how did how did this rule kind of um, our houses moving forward what did the, the board do today with that vote yeah so their, their vote today was for um, for a final adoption of this particular rule that uh, um, would sort of decrease the regulatory burden on uh, various entities that might be using automated dispensing systems. Uh, the board uh, has rules on the books that would require reporting on a on a, uh, on a on a frequent basis. And over the years, the the board has uh, reviewed those reports uh, internally and um, and is is satisfied that the uh, um, that the technology is sufficient to uh, to provide. Um, 
protection to patients. So some of the regulatory um, burdens were relaxed on, on those uh, types of systems and uh, in hopes of, of encouraging technology use. Well, perfect. Well, I appreciate your, your time here today, Andrew. It was a great, efficient meeting, and uh, uh, kudos to uh, running that meeting effic- efficiently. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We look forward to our next Board of Pharmacy podcast, which will occur after the next Board of Pharmacy open session, which is scheduled for, for March 14th um, in a couple, couple months here. So thanks again for listening, and have a great day.